If you would, please, in your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Last time I taught, we got up to chapter 5, verse 20, so we will be at 21. And Lord willing, hopefully we can finish the chapter. But I have heard and been told that I'm kind of like uh, Pastor Gary Jr., where a few verses are going to get in, and that's about it, right? So, but we'll see here. We're going to be at verse 21. One of the things that we are going to be talking about is war. And you're thinking about war? That's kind of weird. The heading on my Bible says marriage. Well, (laughs) well, yeah, okay? We do know that there is spiritual warfare when it comes to marriage. And right now, if you look all around us, you will see that marriage is under attack, right? Same-sex marriage laws being passed, right? God's order of things is always under attack. Whatever he's put together, it's funny how man is always trying to destroy. You know, same-sex marriage is one of them right now. Children are a blessing from God, so guess what's under attack there? Abortions, right? And, And it's no surprise, guys. I mean... Should it shock us as Christians? No, but really just at the lengths at which people in high places are are going with this stuff and what they're saying and how they're encouraging these type of riots against God's constitution. Not man's constitution, God's. God's order of things. It's just unbelievable, right? So let's go ahead and pray and we'll jump right into the text. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord, and we just want to thank you for blessing us with another day of life, another opportunity just to open up our Bibles, Lord, to get to know you. As we draw close to you, I pray that you would draw close to us and that you would encourage us. Lord, this morning as we talk about marriage, I pray and just ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Lord, I'm sure a lot of us are going to be challenged this morning on some changes that we need to make. And I pray and ask that we would surrender our lives to you and allow you to make changes as you see fit. Lord, we are your vessels and you've created us. So I pray and just ask that you would use us for your glory, Lord, and allow us just to submit our lives, our will to you. And we just ask all of us in your precious name. Amen. So previously when I'd been talking to you guys, we are talking about unity in the church, what our roles are, Everything in verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. When we submit to God, we will become more willing to obey his command to submit to others. That is to lower our own rights, right? And look at the, the rights of others, okay? Some people have asked me, and it's crazy. Here at the school, teaching, Bible class, you know, I did for three years. I'd always have kids come up to me and they say, hey, so when, when you were a kid, you know, did, did you ever get drunk? Or, and I'm like, no. And, and it's hard. They don't believe that because of the way I look for some reason, right? I guess I just look like trouble, right? So where they're like, come on, what about drugs? Never done drugs in my entire life. Shocking to some people. But it's true, okay? I had a lot of friends that did do drugs, and I seen the effects of drugs, and I thought, I never want to be like that. Okay? I never want to be off my game. 
I want to be alert, okay? So never did drugs, never, you know, got drunk alcohol, nothing, okay? Yes, I've had a sip of alcohol. That's about it, just a sip. Whoop-de-doo, okay? Wasn't for me. Never did any of that. Wow, you've never done that? What about this or that? No, because you know what? I've always, at the same time, thought of others as well. Oh, believe me, I did my share of dirt. At the same time, though, I was scared of my mom and dad. You know, if I got caught, what was going to happen to me? Not only that, my cousins, the impact that I have on their lives, how are they going to look at me? Are they going to feel like it's okay to do that type of stuff? I never want to give the impression that I'm condoning or saying it's okay to act like this. So I never did certain things, right? Family, how do we respond to the idea of submitting to others? Are we willing to place the interests and desires of others ahead of our own desires? That's a big question. Is that something that we can do? In Jesus' name, with his help, right? Is that something we can do? Now we get on to marriage in the church. Talked about unity within the church, how to interact and what we're supposed to look at in the body amongst ourselves. But now let's go to the home, okay? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's a big one. And I know that that is a hard one, okay? I'm not going to put under the umbrella and say all women, but I will say that most women, okay, most, like control, okay? Some guys are sitting there quiet like, yeah, that's it. Get it, you know? Wives, you need to submit, okay? Guys, don't get too excited, okay, because in a few verses, it's going to be your turn, Okay? But God's proper order and what he's saying here. You know, because let me back up a little bit because there's something we need to understand. When, when Paul presented these concepts of governing households, okay, we need to understand that back in the Jewish and Greek communities here, household codes were very common back then. You understand? And then with Christianity coming in, bringing a new way a change of life, and to the Lord, they're starting to kind of, okay, what's going on here? What are you really teaching? You're, you're kind of talking about non-traditional ways that we kind of grew up with that we have in our own households. What are you talking about now, right? So Paul here, as these tensions grow, what Paul does is he outlines God's plan for Christian behavior in the home. Us as believers, there should be high standards there. High standards. As believers and how we act and how we live, right? And so what's that high standard? Well, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Christian marriage involves mutual submission, lowering our personal desires for the good of of the loved one and submitting ourselves to Christ, right, as Lord. You submit. Paul spoke first to the wives here 
explaining that they were to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. The words, as to the Lord, means as is fitting to the Lord. This does not mean that your husband is the Lord, okay? I'm sure most of your wives here will say, yep, they are nothing close to the Lord, right? He is our example, right? And we do want to follow him. But you've got to understand that in this world and here on this earth, there is a lot of distraction for men and women, right? Alike, there's distraction. But we see here, the wife's submission to her husband is one way that she can demonstrate her submission to Christ. Are you willing to follow his example, right? Maybe it's not a good example. Are you just willing to follow him? even when he's acting like a knucklehead, right? I mean, uh, my wife will be the first to tell you that sometimes I don't got the best decisions, okay? I don't. But what I like to know personally is that sometimes when I come up with an idea, it doesn't get shot down right away. That's stupid. Are you serious? Why would you think that? Wow. Well, without any type of conversation, we're just going to right away knock down my decision? we got to be careful with that, right? When you submit to your husband, you do this out of love for Christ. It's not always easy, but it's letting him know that, yeah, I trust you. I may be a little nervous, but I'll follow you, Right? And that decision doesn't sound that great, so can we talk about it, honey, right? Before we go forward with it. I know that this isn't always easy, ladies. And I do know that there are some relationships where there is one spouse that's a believer and the other one that is not. That does make it even challenging, right? That makes it harder. But always, since the creation, when God created Adam and Eve, he said Adam would be the head of the home, right? That was the example that he gave, and even to this day. We see here, going back to Genesis, that the woman had taken the lead in the transgression, in the fall, right? She ate of the fruit first. She had eaten of the forbidden fruit and thereby had committed a great sin. Yes, the man also followed, right? He's not exempt. But what happens here is that she, in in the compliance of her own desire, without even asking her husband's advice, she went forward with this. She went forward. She fell. He's seen She convinced him, and let's be honest, it's not that hard, ladies, to convince your husband to do something, okay? Yes, he's not dumb. He has a mind of his own. He has a brain, common sense that God's given him, but he also willingly went and partook of that, okay? He could have said no, but he didn't. Read something by a lady called Elizabeth Elliot Grin. The best thing a woman can do for her husband is to make it easy for him to do the will of God. It's the best thing that a woman could do. Okay? Pray for your husband. Pray for your spouse. Encourage your spouse. 
okay? I'm not saying you need to praise them for every little thing. Awesome job for changing the light bulb, you know? No. But I'm saying there are some times that men and women alike, we do need compliments. We do need to hear that from each other. Thank you for dinner. That was awesome, honey. I appreciate that. that was so good, right? Your husband's outside doing work on the yards or something. Hey, that looks amazing. You did a great job. Little compliments like that go a very long way, right? And first of all, let me tell you that what I'm saying here, some of you guys are old enough to be my, my mom, my dad, grandparents, okay? So really, you got more experience than me. What experience am I giving you here? Nothing of my own, I'll tell you that, okay? All I'm going to give you, and like Ted talked about earlier, I'm just here to remind you of what God's Word says. This is His words, His wisdom, not mine, okay? If, uh, if there's anything great comfort, praise be to Him. Because like I said, I'm just a knucklehead He chooses to use, <laughs> all right? So... Let's look at verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In other words, the husband is the spiritual head of the family, and his wife should acknowledge his leadership. Acknowledge that, respect that, right? It's kind of like that here in the church. You understand certain people have certain titles, and you respect that. Same as home, right? Real spiritual leadership involves service and sacrifice. That's not easy. That is not easy. Get into a marriage relationship. We're talking about sacrifice here. Right? Your will, your desires. No, no, no. It's no longer yours. It's yours in your spouse, right? Together as a team. All right? That, that's what it is here. Christ, as head of the church, is also its Savior. Christ gave his life for the church. So guess what? Men, are you willing to give your life for your wives? That's the example that is there for us if it came down to it, right? When trouble comes, are you going to take off running? Are you going to stand in front of your family and fight? I'll never forget one of the first times that I, you know, had come into the family with my wife's family. We're married, and she had to work. Their tradition is to go up into the mountains and cut Christmas trees, okay? And uh, I want to say maybe the second year, Probably we're, we're up in Hamas and there's some snow and, and we're up in there and there's a lot of family and then a few friends and all this stuff and we're going on. One of my brother-in-law's friends, you know, he's married at the time and they have a, a little girl probably about four or five years old. Me and my brother are off on the side of this mountain and we're watching him and his wife and kid walk and he just stops and he's like, I think that's a bear oh my God, that's a bear. And we're looking, we're like, what is he looking? That's a rock. We could clearly see at the angle we're at, it's a rock, but the way it's shaped, he thinks it's a bear. And he yells, it's a bear, run. And he takes off and leaves his wife and daughter. And I'm just like, whoa, 
dude, like, you're supposed to be there to fight. Like, I understand that freaks you out, but, like, you're the head of the house. Right? It's crazy. So as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. He called upon the wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. This should not be taken to mean that wives are to be doormats, okay? They're not doormats. They're not maids allowing their husband to walk over them. Nor are they to be silent partners, right? They're there to help us. They're there their helpmate. It's a teammate, right? You are team, whatever your last name is, right? And you work together. God is the coach. I mean, certain individuals like to do things all by themselves. Sometimes it works out. A lot of times it doesn't, right? But really, a good leader, when you look at it, you know, any sporting event, and you look at the real good athletes, they don't take all the praise for themselves. They also give credit to the rest of the team because they know if it wasn't for that team, they wouldn't be who they are or they wouldn't score as much as they did, you know. Well, I got to say that, you know, the, the group of guys I got with me, they helped me out, blah, 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 all this stuff. It's the same with us, Right? I mean, literally, we cannot be as great as we are if it wasn't for the Lord, first and foremost, right? And then having a good partner alongside you, okay? They are to be active participants in the challenging task of running a Christian home, okay? Wives, you're, you're there alongside. And, and I've got to say that if a... If a woman decides to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom, I got to tell you that that's one of the hardest jobs. One of the hardest jobs. During Christmas break, I had one week alone with the two girls. Okay? Because she had one more week of school to go. I have three weeks off. She has two weeks off. I had one week with two girls. And I got to tell you, that was challenging. Okay? So, man, if you've never done that, take on the challenge, okay? I'll tell you, you'd have a different type of respect for the lady and what she does. I mean, it felt like for me, getting up, okay, sleeping in was maybe seven, okay? <laughs> maybe seven o'clock. And when they get up, they're ready for action right away. I'm hungry, right? Okay, let's eat. And then you go to feed, and then there's the mess, and then you clean up, and then you feed yourself, and then you look at the clock, and you're like, wow, it's almost lunch, okay? <laughs> and you eat lunch, and you get all that cleaned up, and the little one I can put down for a nap, right? But the older one, Chloe, you know, finally get Eleanor down, and then Chloe's like, hey, so are we going to do something? Are we going to play a game? And I'm like, I'm just looking to rest, you know? But okay, let's play a game. And then she gets tired. And then the younger ones back up, right? You get all that taken care of, and then what happens, right? Getting time for dinner, 
And just thinking about it, it's like, for us as men, if you're working, you come home and you're just like, hey, what's for dinner? And the wife's like, just give me a minute, okay? I just need 30 minutes to an hour. You don't know how the day's been. You know, all this stuff just magically happens, and sometimes you don't understand it all. I will say that I did that for a week, and it was hard, okay? Very, very hard. Not easy. They are not doormats. They are not maids. They are an active partner, participant in running the Christian home. As the woman, do your best. Do your best you can to encourage and support your husband in the leadership role of the home. When the husband is in error or even flat out in sin, your role as the woman, lovingly confront him. You understand that? Lovingly. It never works out real good when you come with an attitude or start yelling at him right away. I understand. He's made some pretty bonehead decisions, okay? Whatever it may be. But you're never going to win over someone confronting them, yelling, or giving them an attitude or talking to them like they're dumb. You understand? It's not going to go anywhere. You're going to get the same treatment back. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying that's the human nature. That's how we respond as human beings, right? I mean, I've seen very few people, very few, but I have seen it, men and women alike, to where, you know what? They've stayed quiet when a spouse has been really horrible towards them, but they can do it under control through God's power. But most people can't. But I've seen it done, okay? Most of the time, I think the human nature is someone's coming at you and pushing you, you're ready to push back, right? Or someone pushes and your claws are coming out, okay? You go for kill mode right away. So, please understand that. Correct them in a loving way. Yeah, you may have to confront that, uh, but make sure it's done in love. And always pointing him back to Christ. Why? Because that's the ultimate authority, right? You point them back to Christ. This is what God's Word says. They're not doing that. Or I see this, why is that change taking place? It takes both partners to make a Christian marriage and a home. Now, ladies, if your husband is not a believer, then things are going to be different for sure. You understand? They're going to be different. But once again, God, by His Word, tells us what we must do. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So it still says here to submit, but the one thing that I would say is that the only time you don't submit if it goes against the will of God, right? Against his word. If your husband's wanting you to do something that goes totally against God's word, then that's a different situation. Other than that, though, 
you submit. But check this out, and I know this is hard, and some women probably in this church have been doing this, right? You submit to him, you serve him. Not a believer. Maybe he treats you bad, and I'm sorry to hear that. But hopefully, Lord willing, by your behavior and your response to him, it's going to convict him and show him that he is wrong and how he is living and how he is acting, right? Another thing that you can do, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18 says, verse 17 says, pray continually. Two words, pray continually. You pray for your spouse, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What can you pray for? I put together a little list here. few things. Pray for your husband's heart, okay? Pray for your husband's heart, for salvation, that they would receive God's word, right? It wouldn't fall on deaf ears, that they would hear it, and one day that they would receive him as Lord and Savior. Pray for healing from the past. Maybe there's past hurt there. Maybe past hurt between your relationship with him, you know? Something that you, you said or how you were in the past with him. Maybe you're, maybe you're a changed person in Christ Jesus and you're no longer that person, but maybe there's still hurt and resentment that he's holding on to. That was done, that was said. Pray for wisdom for finances. That seems to be a big one amongst all marriages, right? In the church and outside of the church, finances, what to do with money, that always leads to fights and arguments. Lord, you know, I pray and ask that he would do the right thing with the, with the money, with the finances. Help him make those good decisions. Pray for a heart for the Lord. Like I said, that he would want to have the same joy that you have in Christ Jesus. He looks at you. He doesn't treat you good at times. But man, how is this lady so happy all the time? Right? Pray that he would get that heart to want to know God. Pray for deliverance from any addictions that he may be struggling with. Alcohol, drugs, maybe pornography, that vice that got him. Pray that he would be delivered from that. Biggest thing, pray for your husband's friendships. Who are they hanging around with? Misery loves company, right? If your husband doesn't have any good friends, pray that God will bring someone into his life that's going to speak the word of God to him, right? And then pray for your husband to be a good father. That's a big one there too. You know, I look at how my grandfather was with my dad. And I did see some of the traits in my father as well. But, you know, the one thing that set my father apart was he gave his life to the Lord. Because he could have become that cold, bitter, hard person that, that my grandfather was, you know. 
And so you pray for your husband to be a good father. Verse 25. Husbands, your turn, right? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Seems like a no-brainer. Doesn't seem like it's that hard to love your wife. But for some, it is hard. What's crazy is, once again, when your wife has had one of those rough days and is just in the mood, love her, right? Uh, You don't know what it's like. You don't know what I've seen, right? Yeah, doesn't matter. We're called to love her, right? Paul also had words for husbands to love their wives. Why did Paul tell wives to submit to their husbands, right? And husbands to love. Perhaps Christian women, newly freed in Christ, found submission difficult. Perhaps Christian men, um, they used to follow Roman custom of giving unlimited power to the head of the family, were not used to treating their wives with sacrificial respect and love. These were challenges for them. So this is what he says. Of course, both husband and wives should submit to each other, just as both should love each other, right? I remember going through premarital counseling, me and my wife, and one of the things that the couple that was counseling us, they told us the two biggest things that you can do is love and respect each other. You know, the, the question they always say is, what's, what's the gr- most important thing in a marriage? You know, and people say, oh, communication. And it is. It's very important to communicate, right? But also, two people could communicate themselves to divorce, okay? The biggest thing that I know for me and for my wife, we had heard and we'd always learned was to love and respect each other like God has called you to, okay? Love and respect each other. You lose the love and respect for each other, that's when chaos starts to occur. Christ sacrificed himself for the church because of his love for it, right? Let's be honest, is the church perfect? No. You have imperfect people, right? Here at this church, filling in roles, it's not going to be perfect. But God uses us every week. And somehow it just kind of flows together and works. Doesn't mean it's perfect, believe me. There's chaos at times, right? But it's his church. He's in control. Husbands, then, should be ready to make whatever sacrifices are necessary for their wives. Right? Marriage is a holy union, a living symbol, a precious relationship that needs tender, self-sacrificing care. How should a man love his wife? He should be willing to sacrifice everything for her. Everything. That's, for some, that's hard. For others, that's easy. 
I can tell you that the only way that it becomes easier is when God's in control, right? Because same thing, there are certain times when you're going to look at your spouse and be, man, why are they acting like that? Why are they doing that? Why do they talk like that? doesn't matter. Am I fulfilling my role? Are you fulfilling your role? In loving her and sacrificing everything. He should make her well-being primary important, right? She the number one priority. Should be. I mean, serving in ministry, I got to tell you, it's awesome, it's a blessing, but my family is my number one ministry. That's the number one ministry. It needs to be. Okay? He should care for her as he cares for his own body. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how fit or unfit your spouse's body is. Okay? Fact of the matter is, is that you care and you love your body. You take care of yourself. Right? You wake up, you feed yourself, you shower, you do whatever. I mean, you make sure you look okay, right? Verse 25, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. You will cleanse and sanctify your wife from all of the garbage, from the daily grind by asking her, right? How was your day? What's God been showing you? I mean, that's one way to look at it. You look at this part here where it says that he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Not physical bath, but washing of word, God's word, okay? Either reading your Bibles together, praying together. If not doing that, like I said, then you ask, what's God been showing you lately? You're encouraging one another to talk about the Lord, right? This is what's been going on in my life. What's been going on in yours? There's some type of communication, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Are you guys sharpening another, right? Not to fight or use the the sword on each other, no, right? But you're ready for the attack from the enemy because, like I said, that's what he's coming after right now is marriages. I mean, you can see it. If Satan got you here, and if Satan got you here, then that's going to affect your relationship with God there and your relationship with others right here, right? And that's what he's here to do. That's what he's trying to do is destroy in any way that he can. You can't let him get hold of up here. I mean, it's really, uh, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a game. It's a mental game that he plays. All of this is. That's Satan's strategy. He gots you here, he gots control of the whole body, right? Look at sports. I, I you always use that analogy with the kids because, you know, it kind of relates to them. You ever see sports and someone that's just trash talking all the time? They're not even good. They don't have to be good. If they got a good mouth and can take you out up here, they, t- they removed you out of the game. They don't have to physically be good. They just got to distract you. Okay? I mean, 
what are you going to do? How are you going to combat that? You know, the game I like to play is basketball. There's some times when I'm really good, my shot's on, and other times where it is horrible, it's not on. And the times when it's not on, okay, take my focus off of trying to be offensive and let's play defense, you know? Because that's still important as well. And if I'm not hitting, but this person is hitting shots, get the ball, pass it to them so that they can make the shot, right? It's a team effort. But don't let them get you up here. You know, up here, this is what happened during COVID. A lot of people got hit up here. And it messed a whole lot of people up. Guys, the enemy cannot steal your joy unless you give it to them. You understand? The only way someone can steal your joy is if you give it to them. Don't give it to them. You turn to the Lord. You ask for strength. You ask for help. And he will do that. Verse 27. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. The church does not make itself holy and blameless. We can't. Once again, we're imperfect people. God's the only one that can do that, right? Ted talked about that earlier this morning. He sent his son to do that by the shedding of blood for you and I, right? The church should be growing towards Christ's likeness as it awaits the arrival of Christ at his second coming. That's what it needs to be doing. So what happens here, right? That he might present her. I mean, for the wedding ceremony, I don't care how simple the lady is, okay? May not want anything real fancy, and she's not into all that. There's still hours of preparation put in, right? Make sure the dress isn't wrinkled, makeup, hair, all this stuff. It's the same for for us as well, husbands. Make sure your wife, your spouse, is spotless. You understand? I'm not saying she's perfect. But through the washing of God's word, putting time in, protecting, caring, this is what you're doing, right? This is what you're doing. Verse 28, in the same way that there exists between the husband and wife, the same union is between Christ and the church. Taken from verse 27, husbands should be as concerned for their wife's spiritual growth and closeness to the Lord as Christ is for the church. Paul expressed this unity in physical terms for the husband and wife become one flesh through marriage. The Greek word for love is agapio, referring to that giving love that seeks the highest good for the other. The highest good for the other. When a husband's love for his wife is this kind of love, they will both benefit, right? They will both benefit when they're following what God's word says. Now, I know the secular phrase, what is it? Happy wife, happy life, right? Now, 
I'm going to tell you why I hate that phrase. <laughs> and not because you shouldn't try to make your wife happy or please her or do great things for her. But let's be honest. Ladies, not to be mean, because guys, we do the same thing. Our feelings change all the time. Something that makes you happy one minute is going to tick you off the next minute. So happy wife, happy life, not a big fan of that. It's pretty self-centered from a secular standpoint, okay? A happy life is a life that is in Christ Jesus. And when both individuals have that and are living by how God's called them to, there's a happy life. There's a happy marriage. When the husband's doing what he's supposed to, being the leader and checking on the wife and loving her and defending her and standing up for her, and when the wife, you know, submits to the husband, how glorious that is. When that's not there, chaos, right? Same thing. Like I said, the same thing that's going to bring you joy will one day also bring some pain and hurt, okay? I know our daughters, happiest day ever. They're born. You see them, you're excited, right? They get older. They start growing up. They start throwing attitudes, the one thing that made you happy now makes you upset, right? I still love them. I care for them. We'll do anything for them. But you see how our feelings change at times. The happy life is the one that is based upon Christ Jesus. Verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body for his flesh and of his bones. Man is born with the instinct to care for his own body. He feeds, clothes, bathes it, protects it from discomforts, pains, and harm. Its continued survival depends on the care that we give it, right? This caring interest is the example of how the Lord cares for the church and how, as a husband, you should be caring for your spouse, okay? For we are members of his body. This grace uh, of God is amazing, you guys. It not only saves us from sin and hell, but us as individuals, imperfect people, he puts us into his body. We form one body. Each one of us is a different body part. And I don't care how small you think that part is or non-important it is, uh, without it, it's very crucial, right? You don't realize as things start to kind of be taken away how much you take for granted, right? The little pink, uh, you know, little pinky toe, Right? <laughs> the thumb, okay? There's other things that, yes, we'll then account for, then have to take up some of that, right? It's, it's, you'll get by. It is a little difficult. I had a nasal surgery gone bad about 20 years ago. Lost my smell and taste and never had it since, Okay? Some of you guys that have had COVID and you lost your smell and taste, yeah, that's me all the time. 
doesn't feel good, right? You're eating something you really like or you enjoy, and you're like, this tastes horrible, or it doesn't taste like anything, right? I look at this as a, I, I try to look at this as a blessing. The thing I miss is taste. Smell, believe me, it has its benefits. Changing, changing diapers, can't smell a thing, okay? Here at the school, when a kid throws up in the hall and you got to clean it, can't smell it. I got to tell you, it's been a blessing. That's the way I look at it, right? I can go talk to someone off the street, witness to them and talk to them about Christ. They have not have brushed their teeth in a month or showered. I wouldn't know any difference because I can't smell it. For some people, you're very sensitive to that. You'll gag and it'll just make you sick. Doesn't affect me at all because I can't smell. Taste, that's probably a blessing as well because if I can probably taste, I'd probably be twice or three times bigger than what I am, right? I like to eat. And people say, how do you do that? If you can't taste, then you could eat anything, right? No. Different senses have kicked in. It's all based on texture for me and how it feels. There are certain feelings I don't like. <laughs> that didn't feel good. I don't want to do that. I don't want that in my mouth, right? It, it's different. We're all different members of the body. And yes, if one member or one part is gone, it affects the whole body. The volume that this speaks here concerning his love for us, that even though we're imperfect and he still chooses to use us, and he cherishes all of us as his body, is, is just amazing. I'm so grateful, so thankful for that, that, that he looks at us and sees us in that way, right? He nourishes, he sanctifies and trains us, he protects us as the church. Even though we're imperfect, this is what he wants to do for you and I, right? Verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Oneness in marriage does not mean one person's losing his or her personality in favor of another, right? No. We're unique in, in Christ for a reason. Instead, it means that each person cares for the other as though caring for himself or herself, okay? Learning to anticipate the other's needs, helping the other person reach his or her potential, right? That was one thing that is just encouraging. I remember growing up seeing in the in my parents' household, you know, and now I see it in my own household how my wife is with me. I mean, believe me, there's certain times where things look certain rough. I'm going to try this myself. And I'm like, oh, looks a little rough. She's like, you did a good job. You sure? Yeah. Maybe she's being nice, but you know what? That means the world to me. Even if it's a little fib, I don't care. It means so much, right? Because why? She's saying, you worked hard, you did an amazing job. 
awesome. This great mystery might be better translated that there's a profound truth hidden as Paul contemplated the mutual love, loyalty, loving headship of the husband and the loving submission of the wife. The riches, the intimacy, the self-sacrifice that should describe every marriage, he saw this in the church, right? When he viewed it, and this is what he's seen, I'm like, man, Lord, you are really a God of love and grace. Because like I said, you look around here, there are at times, yeah, we are a little dysfunctional, but we do, we do make it, you know, and he uses all of us. Verse 33, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Here Paul addressed husbands first. Each of you, he said, should love his wife as himself. Same thing. Doesn't matter. Going back to wives talking when we had talked with you, you know, if your spouse ain't saved, this is what you do. Same thing for men. Doesn't matter if she's saved or not, right? As it says here, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. Protect, care for her. This is the core of Christian marriage. Each wife in turn should respect her husband. Where the husband and the wife love and respect each other, they will have a healthy marriage. And in that healthy marriage, they could then pass that on to their children, right? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. I don't know about you guys, but I know when I was preparing for this, I was getting beat up left and right. Get from one verse and God's like, when's the last time you did that? I'm like, dang it. Man, this is rough. Yeah, but you got to put in work. That's what it is, right? It's sacrifice. It's service. No one ever said that would be easy, right? When you practice at something, there's a lot of mistakes made during the practice until you perfect it. For us, unfortunately, the perfection isn't going to come till Christ comes back or takes us home. So I'm not trying to bust anyone's bubble here, right? Yeah, you're going to work at it your whole life. And I'm sure those of you, I mean, the longer you've been married, you can probably attest to that and say, yeah, even at our age, right, whoever's been married the longest in here, I'm sure you can still say, guess what? It's still a work in progress, right? You've got to try. Don't give up. Don't stop. You know, you look at your spouse, you love them, you care for them. And those who are single, right? You don't be discouraged. It's stuff to look forward to. Or you can look at that and be like, that's not for me. <laughs> then it's not for you, and God's going to use you in other ways. He, he uses, I mean, according to where you're at in your walk with him, right? In growing up. I mean, me and my wife, we didn't have kids the first 10 years of our marriage, but serving in youth group, we looked at every one of those kids like part of our kids. And we served them and loved them. The, the cool thing was we got to send them home at the end of the day and we didn't have to worry about all the other stuff, right? But that's the way we had looked at it for years. 
you know. I mean, so if you're single, there's a reason why God has you single. I mean, believe me, there's, there's a reason and a purpose for every situation that we're in and how he plans to use us. But talking about the Christian marriage and the warfare that goes on, and the reason why I say warfare, because like I said, it is Satan's goal to destroy this, you fight for it. Don't throw in the towel. You fight for it, right? And in the meantime, as you're doing that, you're going to be setting an example for those from the outside looking at, at you, you know. How's your marriage so perfect? Oh, it's not, but let me tell you what I've learned to do according to what God showed me. And um, it just somehow works, right? Because let's be honest, you and your spouse, there's sometimes opposites there, right? You think you're like-minded on 100%? Two different personalities coming together? I mean, some people even look, how is that possible? God, right? Just the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray as the worship team comes up. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we just want to thank you for encouraging us this morning through your word. Maybe for some of us it was a challenge and if it is challenging, Lord, I pray and just ask that you would help us to put into practice what we read this morning. You never said it would be easy, but you did guarantee that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And you did say if any of us lacks wisdom and understanding to come to you and you would give it to us. So, Father, we come before you and we ask for help this morning that if there's anything in our lives that should not be there, that you would come into our hearts, our minds, and that you would remove that, that you would help us to get back on track, Lord. Help us to see what it's really about. There's so much crazy things going on in this world and Satan's doing his best to try to bring distraction. I pray and ask that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you. Lord, that we wouldn't look to the left or to the right. We wouldn't compare our marriages to other marriages and say, man, I wish I had that. Um, you know, the only time we should really be saying that is that if that marriage is based upon God and we want to be better as far as communication, loving, respect for each other, but your word does warn us about coveting what others have. Lord, so I just pray and just ask that you would help us to just trust and rely upon you for all of our needs, all of our desires. And Lord, as we start off this week, uh, I pray and just ask, Lord, if, like I said, if some of us need a, a fresh start after hearing the word today, that you would give that to us, Lord. Forgive us of our sins and just remove any junk that is in our hearts, minds that should not be there. Lord, help us to come before you now with our hearts open wide to receive your Holy Spirit. Lord, transform us, change us into the men and women of God you would want us to be for you. And I pray and ask that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit as you prepare us for a new work week, Lord, that we would be able to be a light to those that are around us. And even though our light may shine bright, Father, in times we, we may not feel like, you know, we're in a good place, a perfect place, I, I ask that you would help us just to minister to others, that they may see the goodness through, through you shining in us, Lord. 
Father, we ask that you would bless this time now in worship as we close out the service and that you would be with us as we go home and enjoy the rest of our day, this long weekend with our families. We just thank you and praise you for everything. In your name we pray. Amen.